one. Boom, boom, boom. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Of Like Minds video podcast. Have a super special guest in today, Mr. Timothy Farson, current principal of SDSCPA, my alma mater, and my former AP Lit teacher and ASB advisor and mentor. Um, Mr. Farson, thank you so much for coming on and giving us your time today. Okay, man. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> and I, I love the word. We're glad to have you. And I just love the background. It's the most perfect thing. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. And the logo has definitely evolved over the years. And I think it's, it definitely uh, demonstrates, you know, what SCPA is like very colorful, uh, very unique, and um, just a, a, a wonderful place. Uh, Mr. Farson, if you can just kind of start us off and just um, one, uh, the current climate of the world right now is, is really wild. And so I would just love to you know, see what it's like, you know, at a CPA in terms of adjusting to COVID and virtual learning and uh, what that's been like for you and uh, the rest of the staff. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I'm going to give you a little background stuff that maybe you didn't know. Okay. The logo, um, the original colors of San Diego SCPA was a rainbow. And so when we redid our logo, part of it was, you know, uh, paying homage to our past mm. and, and reinventing. Um, you you do a new logo. It's every time that you have a shift. And uh, we had a shift in our work and focus towards conservatory study. And um, it's, it's just a little back. It's kind of fun when you think about the history of SCPA because we've been around for 40 years. Absolutely. Is it 40 already? 40. Actually, I think we're on 41. 40 years of, 41 oh years of hard work. Gosh, so, wow. I know. So proud. Um, but but to your question, uh, you know, education, the landscape of education has completely changed drastically. Um, and, you know, there have been incredible challenges and some amazing opportunities as well. And, you know, when we talk about the sixth largest school district in the nation, um, moving toward a one-to-one -one where student is now having a device or internet we're talking about moving mountains and that's that's a huge accomplishment we're talking about innovation that you know previously we we never had to work through um, we have more you know guest artists coming in uh, like mm -hmm. yourself and they're, and they're from all over the world and they're interacting and engaging with our kids and that's that's like incredible work um, but there's also a lot of you know emotional heart heart work and loss and families, you know, navigating what it's like when you have a single parent household mm. and, and that parent has lost their job or, you know, the kids are now home sitting in living rooms or if they're lucky, a living room, right? Mm -hmm. um, maybe even a closet trying to access and, and engage in school and learning. Um, I think, you know, when we talk about the 40 years of SCPA, there's been a common denominator through it all. And you're probably going to hear me say it a lot. It's really about heart work and it's about joy and it's about what the arts bring to the table um, mm. in our emotional journey as humans. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think SCPA students are united by their love, their love for what they do and their love for creativity and their love for the arts. And so, you know, our work right now is really shifted into creating those opportunities, still creating opportunities for kids to find joy and meaning and purpose um, through online learning and, and through, you know, the arts and everything that they do. You know, it, it's crazy because I keep telling my teachers, you know, the standards are critical and they're important.
skills are important and you want to keep practicing those. But at the end of the day, um, I need you to be the smiling face and I need you to welcome them. I need you to say their name. I need them to be seen, um, in, especially in our environment where everything is you know, online and virtual and yeah. seemingly disconnected. I'm asking them to just connect, 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 connect. Absolutely. And, and I know that from a little bit of experience doing virtual uh, teaching myself also at SCPA uh, once earlier this year. And just, I mean, the difficulties in that, and I know you've obviously transitioned um, from teaching and now in your current role being a principal, but we'll get into that later. But just if you can talk about maybe some of the some of the just biggest adjustments for both what you've seen from your staff and also the students in terms of just virtual learning uh, pros and cons and how that's affected, um, you know, the learning environment. Well, I, I think that I am so lucky because I have the best staff in the world. I, <laughs> I, I truly, truly do. Um, I think that we have the right people at the table right now. I think mm. that we have, um, you know, an incredibly passionate, talented, brilliant team. And, Right now, the challenge has been um, they still want to be the best. They want to be the best in the world. And, I, and I, I use this quote at the beginning. I don't need you to be the best in the world right now. I need you to be the best for the world right now. Mm. Um, be, and, you know, you can have the highest expectations in the world, and they do. Um, but I, I need them to remember that you never know, to quote uh, Roxanne Carrasco, she's like, you never know what people planted in their garden in the morning. <laughs> meaning what they're bringing to the table, right? Mm. And so I, I, I'm always, you know, it's, it's really the best teachers right now that are, you know, beating themselves up mm. because they, they want to be the best for kids and they want to meet them where they're at. And um, we're limited because so much of teaching and learning is, is social and interactive and immediate and live. Yeah. And so I find that some of my best folks are, are disenchanted um and so i i just keep cheerleading them and the small notes and reminders from parents and families saying you know thank you for being the best thing or the brightest part of my day um, because that is that is the critical work that we're doing now it really is um students are we have you know kids are still getting into conservatories mm -hmm. and and we are not alone I mean, it's a world pandemic. It's not a, it's not a San Diego pandemic and it's, yeah. it's not a SEPA pandemic. And so mm -hmm. the reality is the entire landscape for education and post-secondary and conservatory training and everything is completely changed. And a lot of it is incredibly online uh, or all online and incredibly diversified now. And so um, I think that we're not unique and that we're trying to continue to bring the best for kids kids experience the same things that all of us are right now. Um, loneliness, disconnectedness, um, seeking of joy and purpose in a world that is very different from what we knew uh, less yeah. than a year ago. Mm. Um, they're trying to find, you know, it's even interesting, like when, when your parents may be ill or losing their jobs, you know, how do you, how do you find value in calculus, you know? Um, and, and so there's been an, a great shift in, reaching people first and content next. Um, mm. It's, we're evolving and yeah. we're, we're trying to continue to, you know, plant the garden, plant absolutely. the garden for hope. <laughs> you know, absolutely. And I, I was just curious and I've had a, several conversations with different people and 
personally, this might sound kind of wild, but you know, I one, I just want to know how you are engaging these kids, not only to be invested and to really believe in the arts, especially at such a critical time right now, but even just furthering and higher education. I remember like if I was in that position, you know, growing up, I was not in a very financial stable situation with my family. And it's just, I, I don't know if, if I was a graduating senior going into college, I don't know if I would, would have gone to UCLA, you know, because of just not getting that experience. So like, how are you even one, just, you know, you said those little connections of saying people's and saying the students' names and just little things and, you know, connecting, but how are we, and how are you guys doing connecting with the students to just make them believe in, in not only themselves at their time at a CPA, but even just to pursue the arts. If there is going to be an arts in like five or 10 years, like how are you guys even going about that? Uh, well, I, I know that it's something that I've said forever and in my classroom as a teacher and now it's principal, you know, the arts are the answer. Mm. They really are. And at the end of the day, I, I hear the stories of our students who the reason that they even log in or wake up in the morning is for a dance class or their arts class or for a teacher or a friend that's in the class. And it's that, it's that universal feeling and need for human connection that keeps it going. Um, that's really where it rests. Absolutely. It's like I said, and, I, and I've talked to you about this before and just, you know, those are the people, the groups I feel, you know, most strongly for during this time is, you know, growing up and the kids and whatever grade you're in, or if you're, you are in college and just, uh, I don't know, my heart goes out to every one of them and, and even seeing them, how they are engaged, like despite all the yeah. crap that's going on in the world, it's just like, it's really commendable. I don't think I would have been able to do that personally, but to see them is just like, it's very inspiring. And, and I don't know if it's going to instill maybe just like this mental toughness moving forward because they have gone through yeah. this yeah. at such an age, you know, the need is always there, the need to connect. And let's be mm. real. I mean, that's what the arts do. The arts create voices for people who may not otherwise have a voice. Mm. It creates an opportunity for stories to be told that may not be heard. And the reality is if we look at, you know, even when the ancient Greeks were performing on stage, it's very different than they are now. And the mediums have changed, right? I mean, mm -hmm. how we see experience art has changed. And this is no exception. I mean, a pandemic in this case or any sort of adversity or challenge is, is opportunity for adversity. Like we can sit and we can wallow and we can feel these, you know, emotions of existential angst. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, right, if, if we, continue to find joy, real joy, and who and what we do as artists and what we believe about the arts in terms of universal storytelling. What we love will transcend the current reality. You know, it, it's like, you know, what you're doing now, for instance, I, I think that your heart in so many ways is a choreographer, right? You are a storyteller. And now you're sitting in front of a podcast microphone and you're still getting stories out. Yeah right? Because we can't go to the current stage or theater filled with people. I, I think that that universal need and desire and, and, and love for storytelling and human connection is going to transcend any pandemic. Mm. And so that is, that is the message and story that I think we need to continually remind people of. Yeah. We are experiencing a lot of loss and a lot of things are shaken up right now, but let's pull back. You know, I, 
I used to use as a metaphor in class. I have this, um, oh, I, I'm gonna, I don't necessarily remember who it is, but it's like the, the wooden man. It's like a little Buddha uh-huh. that is completely closed off. He's covering his ears and his eyes and he's closing himself from the outside world. Why, I say, you know, and it's actually a philosophy professor that I'd had in the past that handed it to me mm. and, and said, you know, take this home for the weekend. Close off the world, take this home, let it be a reminder so that when you're asking life's toughest questions, you don't go to the world to find the answers. You find the answers within yourself. Mm. And I think right now that is so true for our young artists, for our teachers, for our families. For The reality is everything that we once knew that comfortable yeah. is shifted and it's changed. Mm-hmm. But there's a common core unique piece that brings us joy, a sense of purpose from within you mm-hmm. that, yeah, the world is chaos and it's, it's ever changing and evolving, but what's inside and what brings us joy is consistent and constant and we can mm-hmm. judge the way we do it, right? I mean, you can't dance or perform on the stage right now, but what you have in front of you are new tools. And that's why I, I believe in like, when we talk about skills for the 21st century, creativity, innovation, collaboration, communication. Those things are what's going to drive us forward. Those are the things that are going to continue to allow us to tell our stories. And, you know, at an art school, we're just like primed for it. Like we have, we have the hard work. We have people, students and staff and families and people who believe in that power. And what we need to do is continually communicate, look, how we do it will change, but the what we're doing will not the why the why is not changing absolutely i think um sorry i get preachy on that stuff no i i love it i love it it's you know one of the one of the most unique things about scpa especially during my time that i remember is and i know it's still like this now but it's middle school and high school connected and mm-hmm. so, you know, usually for students growing up in the K through 12 system, you kind of middle school, sixth through eighth, and then you move on to a different high school, another transition. And I think the, the special thing about SCPA is that, I mean, you're able to develop these skills and you're be able to work with this staff for seven years. Yeah. You know, if you're fortunate enough to get into high school. And so, I mean, if you're working, even if you start the arts in sixth grade, whether it's music or it's choir or it's dance or it's you're able to harness and foster these skills for so long. If you can just talk about one, just, you know, what that's like and what that's done for, you know, the, the magnitude of, of artists you're producing. And two, I don't know if you guys are still having the, the audition getting into high school or what's that even like, what's, is there like an entry point to high school or so if you can just talk about two things, just the benefits of having the middle school and high school combined. And then also that transition from middle, middle school to high school. Well, I think, um, so let me, let me back up a little bit. I think what was interesting when, you know, Mitzi Lizarga, the former principal, um, had a wonderful vision about what it meant to be conservatory ready upon graduation. Like, mm-hmm. so she, she, was, she was, you know, um, critical alongside Richard Trujillo, the current artistic director in creating arts majors um, and I know this was highly controversial at the time that she was coming in because, <laughs> yeah. because at the time it had been, you know, uh, you get to do what you love and you get to experiment and play, which is a great, a great model. It really is. But it's also a shift when we started looking at what conservatories and what colleges and universities were accepting. And we wanted to create more focus 
And so we started to, you know, align all of these majors that kids would audition into to back up to post-secondary programs. And I, and I think that the data speaks for the success of that, which was, you know, the number of kids getting free, um, free rides, um, financial aid, assistance. Um, we now have 54% of our families going into the art, students going into the arts um, at Pong graduation. Um, we, still, we have like a 100% graduation rate. Uh, I mean, I think what the last class of 2019 had over like $14 million in financial aid. Like, so it, the, wow. model, the model is breeding success. And so we wanna continue and refine that. And, and what I really love and celebrate is the fact that, you know, in the audition process, uh, many folks were like, oh, you're going to be elitist and you're going to have just a bunch of rich kids that have access to arts their entire lives and private lessons and this and that. And, and you're going to lose your diversity. And I'm sitting here going, no, I'm not. No, we're not, because we're going to build it from the ground up. We're going to, you know, opportunity precedes skill. That's why I love that sixth grade in there. Yeah. Because if, if, if you've never had a pair of dance shoes and you've never been on a dance floor, then you're not going to know how wonderful of a dancer you are. Mm. And that's the power in the six through 12 is you get to give all of these tools and, 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 and opportunities to kids that never would have had them otherwise at the young age of sixth grade. And you let them play and, and, and try on different voices and different mediums and different you know, outlets to, to create their voice. Um, but, but I think that there's power in the six to 12 because of course, again, opportunity, the relationship building, the opportunity to work with someone for seven years has been transformational. So yes. So actually the entire school is auditioned now. Um, oh. everybody who auditions to come in, you come in with an audition and it's not an audition of, of talent per se. It's an audition of passion. Do you mm. want to be here? Are you going to show up? Are you going to do your part? Because we're going to provide you with all the tools in the world that you could possibly want. Mm. Um, are you ready to play? Are you ready to really play the game of life and the arts and learning? And are you going to have, are, are you telling me now, like when, when you're young, do you want to be here? Yeah. How do you um, find that out? Like, is the audition like a multiple day process? Is it one, like, how well, do you find that? We let them play. We let them play. Okay. We put them in all kinds of situations. And the reality is the only way you're not going to get in, this is the secret, don't let anybody know. <laughs> I'm looking around like the FBI is around me. But As everyone's listening. I know, right? <laughs> it's, about, it's, about, it's about, do you want to be here? Hmm. You know, you have little sixth graders that will show up and say, I don't want to be here. Um, I want to play sports, but my mom said, this is the, this is the safe school, so I'm going to be here. Like, kids, mm -hmm. they're honest. They're so real. And, and yeah. the reality is we, we take most of the people that show up mm. and say, I want to be here. And they have a pleasant experience. You know, we understand that you have introverts and you have extroverts, you have performers and you have creatives and the dynamics of personality are so incredibly diverse. So at the end of the day, it's not about gatekeeping in the middle. But as you're saying, um, where was I at? Where did you? Um, I think we left off um, 
the audition process, everyone, you're kind of saying everyone gets in, don't tell anyone. Okay, well, six through eight, um, like I said, it's a very different process because mm -hmm. it's all about providing kids with opportunity. Some of our kids, as much as we have a desire and dream that every kid has high quality arts experiences and opportunities before they get to us, um, it's not reality. Um, and so our job is to open the gates, let kids in, let them experience, let them have opportunities, let them develop skills, let them find out if, you know, if they want to be, if they are, mm -hmm. you know, someone who wants to continue on um, in the ninth grade program it's a little different because it's it's passion based 95 percent mm. but but the other part is you know um it's a little bit of talent it's a little bit of skill but it's um it's all about discipline it's about discipline and passion um there so our belief our guiding belief is that no matter what you want to do, you want to be a geophysicist, you want to be an astronaut, you want to be an engineer, you want to be um, a chef, you want to be, you name it. Insert teacher, insert anything. Yeah. Um, the arts are a path to get there because they're going to teach you the discipline, the perseverance, the desire, the passion. Absolutely. The and the joy at the root of all of that. Mm. So that no matter what you want to do, the world is yours. And, and that is what SCPA, you know, that's the vision. That's the promise that we want to make our kids when they come in. Absolutely. And I think that's uh, something that gets a little misconstrued when you talk to people that are pursuing the arts. It's, it is almost a vehicle to learn these life skills that you wouldn't necessarily be as open to learning in a more yeah. conventional format. And you learn that discipline and that work ethic and that persistence and all these things that are actually very tangible and also very transferable to the next stage of your life. And uh, it's super important. And you kind of mentioned something a little bit, Mr. Varson, on, you were talking about like, oh, like with the auditions, I could seem yeah, as yeah, a, yeah. A, elitist. I, and I need to circle back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I get really, really excited about this. <laughs> In the last three years, we have gone from not even on the records to, to the number eight most diverse school in California. Mm. Number 51 in the entire nation. Like, are you kidding me? Yeah. It is the exact opposite of what people were coming, you know, and they're like, no, you can't do auditions. It's going to keep people out. No, we are opening our gates. We're telling a solid narrative of who and what you're going to get when you come into our school. Mm -hmm. um, we are making, you know, the arts more focal in everything you do at SCPA. You can be a dance major, but I'm going to tell you when you go into ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th grade English, I'm going to challenge you through the curriculum to use that love and passion and joy that you find in dance to change the world hmm. through social justice, you know, pieces or nonprofit. It's just, it's incredible what happens when you start to unite people by what they love hmm. rather than a zip code or a graphic group or a, you know, federally mandated target in terms of, of demographics, race and whatnot. It's the, the true equality and the true issues um, tend to fade away when you start using the arts as the lever. Yeah. And, and, and again, I'm going to say it, the arts are the answer. Absolutely. And, you know, just going on off of that point, you know, during my time at SCPA for up until essentially like late high school, you know, I was actually getting SCPA via bus and I always, that, that really, just that access and that resource just really helped me and my family out just because it, 
without that, it, it would have been extremely difficult, uh, especially as I got older, as a single parent from my mom would have been difficult. And so just even that, and then I remember having um, exploratory wheel in sixth grade. And, yeah. and that was really cool. Cause I remember there was, there was actually a point where I was, you know, strongly considering, I was like, dude, like maybe I want to do choir too. And I never committed to choir classes because it never worked out with my schedule, but there were other spaces like the main stage productions that I would always get involved in. And if you can just talk about those other resources in terms of, I know before it used to be like just putting out quantity, but I know there was a shift in terms of now we're going to put out, we're going to focus more on the quality of performances. So I remember there used to be a winter and spring recital dance, and now it was just like one. And I don't know if the main stages are still two a year, if it's one, but if you can just talk about like how y'all really, you know, went from just putting quantity out, which is nothing wrong with that, but then kind of stepping back from that and pushing the quality and making sure what you are putting out is, you know, the best that they can produce at the time. So what we had realized um, in talking with students and actually looking at the stage and the performances is while we had a greater number of quantity of performances, Mm -hmm. we still had the same kids. We still had the same kids. So we kept giving the same kids opportunity, but we had a lot of kiddos that used to be the case that you could graduate from SCPA and never be on the Florence Johnson or the Oldie Kiddison stage. Wow, yeah. And to me, that's shameful. That is shameful. Yeah. Um, So what we really did is, you know, we're working towards the National Arts Accreditation, which is a wonderful, it's called the ACPES process. And what it is, is it's like a stamp of of, um, consistency and a stamp of, you know, guaranteed access and equity and opportunity for all kids. You know what? We can, the reality is we can continue to put out high quality main stage performances if I'm using the same kids for the entire seven years they're there. And I'm sure they're going to get real good because they're the only ones on stage. Yeah. That hurts my heart. That's not what it's about. Yeah. So what we've done is we've made an opportunity for every kid to be number one on the, on the stage or whatever their exhibition is and giving them access to professionals, professionally critiquing them and giving them feedback so that it's always about learning, not just performance. Mm. So when we talk about the school and we talk about learning, because that's what we're here for. We're not here, we are not a theater company. We're not a performance company. We're not here to put out just high quality ticket sales. Yeah, That's, that's not our business. Our, our business is learning. You know, the reality is even, in, in, even the shift in our partnerships, I, I'm asking all of our partners, are, are, do you care about kids learning? Do you care about kids? Do you, kids, do you care about the student journey as an artist because if you don't we're not really partners and you're just recruiting to cast and 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 so that's something different because scp is about learning to do what you love Mm. and refining it and so yes scp used to be really good at putting the same 12 kids on stage (laughs) um and you know it and i know it and we knew it right i mean you look at we're gonna move on so what we've done is (laughs) What we've done is we've created opportunities and it's has been a slow process and there's been a lot of hurt hearts in the, pro- in, the, in the process of doing it. We've put everyone on stage at some point throughout the year. So yes, there may be a high quality performance, let's say spring performance for dance. But what you may not see is you see all kids on stage in juries or showcases or performances throughout the entire year. And that Florence Johnson Grand Theater, our exhibition spaces, the Ole Kittleson Theater, none of those are ever empty. 
mm. because they're always having some sort of jury or showcase or performance on the stage at all times. Yeah. They're just not like the um, the big, you know, civic theater sort of productions all the time. Um, so the goal is that at the end of the the journey of a senior, you've been on that stage mm. multiple times. You know, actually, it's crazy because I think it was Facebook where I saw someone who was a theater major. Mm -hmm. And she had said that she had never been on the stage, the Florence Johnson stage. Wow. And I'm like, how do we as an educational learning institution, how can we be proud of ourselves? Yeah. In, in letting someone go through an entire, like, is that really conservatory and college ready? The fact that a theater major has never had an opportunity to perform on the stage? It's insane. Yeah. No. So a lot of what we've done is shifted. Um, yes, we have every arts major doing a high quality um, exhibition of learning, right? Like you'll see the one big main stage is what we're calling it, which is really uh, um, just one of the many opportunities yeah. to actually get on stage. Um, so, that, and that's the part that, you know, uh, we do that for the community. We do that for, you know, I say a business card for you know the world and the nation and the community to come in and see what it is we're doing yeah and invite them into the many opportunities that our people are on stage the mm. showcases the juries the opportunities for real learning because that's what we're about yeah um, we're not just all glam and glitter and showbiz you know well it makes me so happy that you're really encouraging that i i for me, I, I, I love the stage and I like lived for it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's kind of wild to think how some things I didn't really think would be transferable, just that experience of being in front of big crowds all the time, especially at such a young age, like going to college, like I know one of the top like five fears in like amongst like people, I don't know if it's like in, in, in the U S or just in the world, but is yeah. public speaking. And I, I, huge. I nothing for me because it's because I've been in that situation thousands of times. And yeah. I think now that, you know, you and the staff and the admin are, are fostering and encouraging that, I think it's extremely just going to be so beneficial for these kids moving forward, because that is, I've talked to a lot of people that haven't had like stage experience or that don't, you know, do visual arts, performing arts. Yeah. It's like, they're very terrified of public speaking or just being in front of big crowds. And it's like, yeah. you don't realize how valuable that is until yeah. Oh, I've done that. And I yeah. feel good. <laughs> yeah. You can't be, you, yeah, you cannot be, I mean, we talk about the 21st century skills, right? Communication, collaboration, creativity, like you can't do those. You can't, you can't say that you have had opportunities for those unless you have really demonstrated them. Like to be, to say that you're going to study theater and never have had an opportunity to be in front of a live audience and in front of a big space. Yeah. That, that to me, philosophically is a disconnect and it's something that we needed to fix. And so, mm. you know, thank God we're, we are surrounded by beautifully talented, passionate people who can brainstorm ways to make it happen. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I have a vision and a heart for what I believe about kids, but at the mm. end of the day, it takes a team to really make it happen. Mm. Absolutely. Do you, is there a way that you can just, can you just quickly dispel some of these, uh, the stigma attached to SCP? I think a lot of people, oh, when, they, when they, when they <laughs> talk to me, they're like, oh, like, it's just like high school musical or y'all just do arts. And, and I remember saying like, no, like we have all our A through G requirements. We have our AP <laughs> classes. If you can just dispel the rumors and just the stigma attached to performing arts school. And like, it's all 
you know, cupcakes and, and, and lollipops and you can just dispel those things. Well, I, I'm I, I'm hoping that the reality is you can dispel those things because, um, I mean, at the end of the day, um, especially now, I mean, we have the right people on the team, mm-hmm. and we know that the arts are a powerful lever, but they're not the only lever. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to be ready for that 21st century economy, and you creative economy, mm-hmm. economy in general, and you really want to be ready to survive a pandemic. God willing that you have the health and the joy and the happiness to do what you want to do. Yeah. You better be ready to argue and talk and collaborate. You better be ready to be innovative and think. And I think um, if, if you're an SCPA student, my hope and wish is that you can speak to how math and science challenged you. I mean, the reality is we have one of the best science departments in the district. You know, it's like, and we always talk about, you know, the success, the success stories, right? We have people who have gone to Juilliard dance that are going to be astronauts. Like the real, like yeah. um, we have, it's there. Um, we have some of the highest English language art scores in the district on national testing. Yeah. Um, and it's because our, our, our people are performers, our students just aren't performers. They're writers, they're readers, they're critical thinkers, they're, you know, asked to, to dissect historical movements and techniques and theories in their art form. Um, one of the things that I said when I became principal is I want every student to be able to graduate and not only be successful in the art form, but I want to be able to talk about and critically analyze and critique and be part of a movement that utilizes their art form. Yeah. Um, I don't want you just to be a performer. I need you to be ready to tackle the world and the world's problems and use what you love to create change. Mm. And I hope, I hope that that is true. And, and, and I see it over and over again um, because it goes back to something we had said earlier. The arts prepare you for whatever you wanna do. And the, mm. academic, the academic curriculum we, that we use at SCPA, that we implement at SCPA, in so many ways uses the arts as a leverage. Uh, lever to pull in terms of passion and engagement so that when you're going through physics and when you're going through calculus or you're going through whatever it is we're using that heart piece that that common denominator um one of the things that's changed i think since you've been there is we're now offering up to 22 college courses so we no longer even offer just the high school curriculum we're offering on top of it the city college curriculum so we have we have, we have sophomores that are now in English 101 at City College. Mm. And when they graduate from SCPA, they will have all of those basic units that are transferable, ready to go into the UC CSU system. That's amazing. Is, like you're talking about the highest level of rigor. Um, I don't believe in remediation classes. I believe in acceleration classes. People don't need remediated. Yeah. They need accelerated. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, from the top offering the most, you know, I used to, um, when I first became a teacher, I'm looking at what they teach you in school for gifted and talented education, mm-hmm. right? And, and the tenets of accelerated and honors and advanced classes. And I'm thinking, um, I know some of my lowest performing kids that have had access to these advanced theories and, and ways of teaching, they would flourish and they would so... Uh, love what they do and be accelerated in their learning. So a lot of 
our classes have now just become all accelerated or all advanced or all honors. And people say, but my, my kid is gifted and they need more. No, um, we're gonna give every kid access to that because we know that how people learn is rooted in that fundamental belief about um, finding out what engages, giving them the skills and the tools and lifting and loving what they do to be able to read and write in a sophisticated. So I get preachy on that because when I look at so much of how we've, how SCPA has come, even in just the 12 years I've been there um, and the access that the opportunities have given people in grade six to 12, it's been a game changer. Absolutely. And you talked about a little bit at the beginning of, you know, everything you said there. Um, you talked about creating change and I feel like you can do a lot of creating change head on, you know, when you're a teacher and with your students and the, the ones you come across, but I think you were able to expand more on your impact um, when you made that transition into the role you're currently in. And so if you can just talk a little bit about, and we'll get into, you know, the, the, the beginnings in a sec, but if you can just talk about, you know, the impact you're able to make. Um, being the principal, and two, even maybe just a transition going yeah. from teacher to principal, and and that is a little tough. That's an adjustment, you know, amongst peers. Uh, just there's a whole lot to cover there. So just talking about, you know, um, what it's like to be principal at a CPA, everything you've had to deal with, and just that transition going into that position. So, whew, where to start on that? Um, <laughs> so. What's interesting is um, I never saw myself as a principal. Um, and in many cases, I, I still don't. I am a teacher. I love learning. I love creating the environment for people to learn. Mm -hmm. I love creating a place that people feel nurtured and loved and supported. And I don't always win. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I always try to create a garden, so to speak, right? That people can plant their seeds of joy and, and, and find what they love to do and, and create that. Mm. Um, I mean, it's no secret that when I was a philosophy major in undergrad, and mm -hmm. so really what I love is knowledge and wisdom and experience and opportunity and learning. I love arguing and dissecting ideas. Um, <laughs> I'm a vision guy. I have a clear vision of what I believe about kids, about students, about families, about, about opportunity and access. And those really ground everything. So, so it was the hardest thing to do was leave the classroom because I had developed such close relationships mm -hmm. with, with my students. And yeah. I, I, I'm always saying that to engage the mind you have to engage the heart i'm hoping you heard that yes <laughs> to engage the mind you have to engage the heart and and i think it was you know lamont jackson who was the area superintendent at the time that you know i i can just remember conversations about we want you to take what happened in 302 <laughs> and spread it 302 was my classroom and I used to always say 302 is here for you, right? What <laughs> happened in my classroom and take it to the whole school level. That's what we want to see. And I can and I can remember Superintendent Cindy Martin saying that and believing that 
in me. Um, because I don't know that I ever would have been able to do it without the belief of incredibly common denominator heart people, um, their belief in me and their vision for um, me taking what I believe we were doing in the classroom to the entire school. Mm. And um, it's interesting because um, Chief of Staff Stacey Monroe, actually she just graduated and she, she was like, uh, I'm not gonna remember all these things, but <laughs> she had once said that my classroom was magical and it's always stuck in my head. And I remember asking her when I became principal, what did you mean by that? And she's like, well, your ability to learn alongside and learn with mm. students is what's magical. And I think the same is true with being a principal. Mm. I don't have all the answers. Um, I'm not a top-down kind of guy, um, which is, you know, even influenced my relationship with my colleagues, right? My, my, my teachers that I taught alongside, right? Incredible teachers. Uh, Strasser, Pino, Berg, Cash, like Lisa Lee, people that have been there forever, um, who have influenced who I am and what I believe about teaching and learning and people. Um, all of these folks, when I became principal, were there to support me. And they were there to nurture me. And they were, they were there to remind me that we have a lot to learn and we're going to do it together. Mm. Um, because I'm a teacher at heart, I think I'm always like, we're going to learn alongside together. And we're going to use frameworks that we know are successful. We're going to use research-driven beliefs about instruction, teaching, and learning. We're going to use the National Arts Accreditation process to refine what we do to be better for our kids. We're going to use the lens of access and equity and diversity to, to lift and love, like love and lift. That's what we say all the time in SCPNO. <laughs> love and lift um, everyone to be what we believe we can be. And it's that journey was incredibly supportive and full of love. When, um, when I became principal on October 28th, um, Superintendent Cindy Martin met me at like 6.30 a.m. in the morning and she brought me two stones and she brought me a stone that said love and she brought me a stone that said hope. And they still sit in my desk drawer um, <laughs> because those are the things that drive families. And I say SCPA is a family. They're what drives families. They're what drives the school, the team, staff, fam, you name it. They're things that will drive us forward as long as we develop that vulnerability, that trust and vulnerability to be better mm -hmm. and to continue to do what we love um, for students. So it's been a crazy process. Um, but I'm surrounded by brilliant, heart-filled people. And that makes all the difference. Absolutely. And I think um, I'm going to do a little pat on the back for myself here, but um, teaching, you know, having taught the last few years, um, mostly full time for the most part, I've gotten a lot of feedback and just, you know, you're, you're, you know, a great teacher. And I always think back to every single teacher, um, K through 12, and even in, in college, my professors that have attributed to that. I think yeah. it just gets passed down and you're obviously one of those people, one of those teachers, one of those mentors to me. And I just want to say like, it's, it's incredibly powerful. So important, so vastly underrated to just 
have great teachers. And I think there's not enough of them in the world. And I just wanted to just use this time to say, one to say, just to give you a thank you for, for being a huge part of um, that experience for me. And if you can just maybe give us a little bit to, you know, how you ultimately decided to even start teaching, obviously, before you became principal, you, you were a teacher before. So if you can just take us through that journey of just what was the initial like inspiration to, to, to start in that profession and then how that kind of ultimately came to be. Oh my gosh. It's a, it's a long, so, um, entire life, um, I have looked up to teachers. I mean, when I was young, I remember, this is so corny, but I remember, um, playing a lot of school and playing teacher. And I just idolized, like, I just remember looking up to my teachers all the way through, um, my entire life. I think more than that, it comes down to my why, right? I can remember a very painful middle school and high school experience. Um, I am gay and that has greatly impacted a lot of my middle school and high school experience and comfortable with myself and being ashamed of and wanting to hide and not liking and not and and being afraid of who I was. I didn't want to speak in school because I didn't want to have a list and be called a fag and put in a locker, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't want to, like I used to go down certain hallways over others because I didn't want to see people that I knew would yell gay water fag during middle school and high school. Fear drove my everyday experience at school. Fear drove where I would go, what classes I would take, um, the path I would get to get there, where I would hang out in the morning before. So, oh my gosh, those moments where I wasn't in school and I had the safety and protection of my teachers were the scariest moments for me because I never felt as though I would ever have a protection from what was going to be, you know, put at me or said to me um, in a smaller rural town in Ohio, right? And so a lot of my sense of security came from being in the classroom, being with teachers and showing that I could be something positive through being smart or engaged and learning and working hard in school mm. um, and seeking the validation of my teachers and the adults around me. Thank God I had a wonderful family um, because, <laughs> because I look at like the emotional like hurt that actually still pings a little bit um, to not be able to be comfortable in my own skin. In the, I mean, I can remember a middle school experience coming out of PE and I'm holding my books and I'm holding them, I think like this, cause I had like eight books and I didn't want to be, I didn't want to carry a book bag because at that time you were too dorky to carry a book bag. <laughs> Stupid things, right? Um, and I can remember my PE teacher saying to me, why do you hold your books like a girl? Mm. And then being for, in like in front of everyone. Right. Yeah. And I can just remember, like, I can't get that out of my head in terms of how I felt. But all of this created a fire, right, that now I fight for, right, a, a fire that I, I seek to extinguish ever happening to my to my students. Um, and it wasn't until like Mrs. Meggett in the ninth grade, and it was a theater or communications or speech class where she recognized me, she saw me, she said my name, and she validated me and said, you know, you have incredible skills. You're, you're an incredible speaker. You have a lot of heart. You have a lot of passion. I got on stage and I, I used theater as a way to experiment. Who am I? What am I? 
because on stage I can have a lisp or I can be crazy and quirky <laughs> or this or that. And I can always use that as a security blanket in rural Ohio <laughs> to, to finding out who I am. And so theater and Mrs. Maggot, my, my theater teacher, were a really big reason that lit a fire in me. They, they, they mm. became my why. I want to fight for kids to never feel the way I felt when I was in middle school and high school student. I want to fight for kids to always experiment and find their voice through the arts. The arts were it for me. And I understand there are many ways that kids can find out who they are, but I always want to give kids the opportunity to feel vulnerable and safe at the same time. Because once you can experience that, there's no stopping. And so, so much of what and why I do is because of those past experiences. And I realize now, you know, I, I debated for a long time. Um, I, I had an undergraduate in philosophy, right? Medical ethics, right? <laughs> um, but what philosophy taught me was, and what I loved about it, you know, in retrospect, is that answers are always changing and evolving. Truth is always evolving and changing. Meaning, purpose, uh, it goes back to, I think, to even your existentialism projects, right? That I made all, all, yeah. all right? Um, existence, what it means to be human, what it means to be. These are really universal things that whether you're asking the question or not, you're deeply engaged in. And, and I think that I can remember thinking, oh, because actually what had happened was I was at San Diego State and I was taking graduate courses in philosophy. I was going to get my master's in philosophy. And I started crashing courses because I'm like, oh my God, I love this. I got it. I love teaching. I love, I love people. Uh -huh. Can you remember my grandma Decker? God, love her. God rest her soul. Like incredible <laughs> life influence. She'd always said to me, don't be just a teacher, Timmy. You can be anything in the world. Don't be just a teacher. People's words make a huge impact. And I always felt like, even though, like, right, this dissonance, this cognitive dissonance between one of the best, most empowering life moments that I'd had in freshman speech class with Mrs. Meggett, coupling that with my grandma Decker's words of don't be just a teacher, right? One of the most powerful things I knew was teaching and give kids opportunity, nurture, love, make me vulnerable, support me, lift me up was coupled with, we don't, and you know, society is not, my grandma Decker is not to blame, right? Society says that in so many ways, just a teacher. Um, dissonance in me was a battle that I fought until I actually got in front of kids. Um, just observing a middle school class, actually um, somewhere in Grossmont, it was like a sixth or eighth Grossmont class, mm -hmm. science class. And I realized that this is where I gotta be. I gotta be with, I gotta be with, with students. I gotta be with people. I gotta be in a place where I can leverage my love of learning and my genuine concern and care to create a supportive, loving environment for kids to find out what they love and, and, and bloom um, to become a teacher. And, and I can remember that moment where I I called my mom and, and Grandma Decker and I said, so I'm going to enroll in education courses. I'm going to be a teacher. And they said, well, yeah, I don't know what took you so long to get there. <laughs> um, and that's what ultimately led to 
um, me going into the teaching credentialing program at San Diego State and student teaching at SCPA under the under the guidance of Mr. Bubble was a tremendous mm-hmm. teacher, heart work teacher, um, and you know doing what I do. And then in terms of becoming principal, it was really about protecting what had become so sacred to me. Mm. SCPA has in the few years that I'd been there been an incredibly loving and supportive and passionate place unlike anything I had ever seen, ever experienced in my entire life. The teachers, you know, the Mr. Doyles that come in and wrap yourself, like that wrap themselves around you to, to love and lift you as a teacher, as someone who cares what they do and what they fight for. These are things that deeply became, you know, so part of my conscious of my everyday being. And when, you know, Mitzi Lazarga was the principal and, and things were shifting, I, I felt, you know, I didn't even sign up for interviews for the position for quite some time. I think they'd done two or three interview panels. And then I, I, I sort of got um, protective of my family, of what I believed in and yeah. what I wanted to protect. And what I knew about myself is I'm gonna rise to any occasion for the people that I love and support. And while I may not be the most experienced principal, right? Because I had gone from teacher to principal. Yeah. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be the hardest working and I'm the, the most loving principal I can possibly be. Yeah. I'm going to fight for what I know the school stands for. Um, I'm going to fight for the history. I'm going to fight for the people that I know have created this place. Um, I'm going to fight for the vision about what we can provide students and kids and in terms of opportunity. Um, and that's been my grounding. I'm going to fight for my why. I'm going to fight to create a place where that continues. And I am the luckiest man in the world. <laughs> is there's something to be said for sure, Mr. Farson, or just you talking about that experience of, you know, the way that you were carrying your books, you know, and that leaving that PE class and how that resonated with you, but you taking that negative experience and just kind of using that as a fuel for the fire, right? And just in terms of moving forward and just you fighting for that purpose. And I think there's something to be said of that mental toughness too, especially at that age. I mean, geez, like that, those are some of those things that, you know, it can really deter or it can break someone and it could pre- prevent like a, an amazing journey that you've obviously still barely just starting. And, and I know that you're affecting. And I remember at the time when I was, when you could still see people in, in groups. And I remember, I think it was the first time I visited SCPA was a few months before I graduated. So this is back in 2015 mm-hmm. when I graduated, before I graduated from UCLA. And I remember just talking to you and we, were, we would take our walks. We love doing that. And just the environment was different. I mean, kids yeah. were just, were saying hello to you and, and, and they're so warm to you. And it was, it was, that's not what I experienced. Uh, obviously we're not principal during the time I was at SCPA, but it was just different. Yeah. It was different for someone, you know, that, that can be seen as so higher up that can be on a completely different plane and how everyone just felt really equal, you know, kind of under your leadership. And I think that yeah. just says a lot about who you are and the environment you've helped foster and, and create at SCP. Yeah. And just, um, I don't know, it was just incredible to see because I just, again, I wasn't used to that. And I was just like, whoa, this is like, this is different. <laughs> yeah. I want to make it all like 302, like what 302 was to me to my students to my peers to my colleagues i had a strong desire to keep that up absolutely um i also you know wanted to get a little bit into um 
your your undergrad journey and i know you were at nyu right you're at nyu yep you just talk a little bit of, i mean you're going from i don't even what's the rural town in in ohio that you're from fremont ohio baby <laughs> there you go shout out to fremont ohio so i mean and you're going straight out of high school to nyu is that correct yep. my time yep. i mean if you can just talk about you know in a nutshell like that nyu experience and what yep. that was like and i mean that's a huge transition just going from Fremont, Ohio to, to New York city. Like what was that whole experience like? Yeah. Uh, so my first college experience actually was at Kent state university, mm. which is a little bit South of Cleveland in Eastern Ohio, Northeastern Ohio, uh, met incredible people, uh, people that have always affected my life. And, and the reality is, this is what I'm going to say. Um, College, university, career, work, you name it, jobs. It's always been tremendous people that have influenced my life and in some way or another contributed to my journey in ways that have really created the, the sense of who I am, what I am, and the sense of urgency I have around what I do and why I do what I do at SCTA. But I started at Kent State. Um, I majored, I actually started, I think, pre-med. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Because that's, because Grandma Decker says, right? I mean, you want to be, you want to be successful, then you got to be a doctor, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so whatever, what she didn't know is I can't stay on the side of blood. And the minute I see a needle, I'm passing out. So <laughs> that might get in the way of that career. Yeah. Uh, but I took, I think it was in my sophomore, late sophomore, almost early junior year of Kent State. And I took a philosophy class, Intro to Philosophy with Dr. Frank Ryan, who still to this day has been a tremendous like trajectory change. Um, mm. I loved, I remember being probably one of the most annoying students in that class because I just loved to dissect and argue and think about, you know, why, why we do what we do as humans, um, whether it be our ethical journey, our spiritual journey, our reality journey. I, I, I am completely fascinated for for why and how humans make meaning of their lives mm. and i love all of the many ways that we do it whether it be mathematics or science or language and words or dance and the arts all of these things are just a common denominator for trying to make sense of this otherwise chaotic world that we're in mm. um and so i i i, I blame him for my love of philosophy and learning. And that was at Kent State. My second year there, um, I had an opportunity to move to New York and pursue other career interests alongside uh, 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 an education at NYU and in their philosophy department. And NYU is a tremendous experience in and of itself. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I'm still paying for it <laughs> in terms of student debt, but yeah. I would not give it up. I would yeah. not give it up because the the folks that you're surrounded by, your your fellow students, your peers, the amount of accomplishment and achievement in the fields of whatever department you're in at NYU is just unbelievable. And then there's like this whole thing that in while you're in New York, mm -hmm. the people that you're meeting every day. You just never know. Mm -hmm. You just never know. And there's so many stories that will forever in shape, you know, shape and influence my life. Mm 
yeah. from not just even the school, but the culture and the people that are in New York, New York City. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was a, I'm just incredibly fortunate to be able to, Kent State is a wonderful place for me to start my education career. Mm -hmm. I don't think that I could have just jumped into New York City from okay. a farm town, but Kent State at least was a liberal jumping ground for me yeah. to, to develop my own voice and, and a sense of self and a sense of security that I could later be put into New York City. Mind you, I was still a young farm boy from Ohio when I first yeah. came to New York. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. I have, a, I have a cousin that works at NYU and she does... Um... Um, she does uh, events, event coordination, and and mm -hmm. obviously knowing that campus structure, it's it's a little bit different with it not being enclosed and kind of being in different parts of the city. And it's still great to hear like you were able to experience the city, but then still feel a part of yeah. like a greater community, even though it's not structured or built yeah. in like a typical school, you right. know, kind of um, I don't know structure. Um, but that is that is obviously amazing. And you've had all these different experiences, um, even before you touched, obviously, like getting into to teaching. Um, if you can maybe give us a little bit of your thoughts, Mr. Farson, I mean, I just, you know, given the current climate we've had about, if it's kind of crazy to say, but we've had about a year with COVID, like actually like it being like a, a thing, mm -hmm. it's, it's been over a year. And if you can maybe just give a little bit of an outlook just in terms of moving forward with the education system and kind of obviously having made many adjustments, virtual learning and kind of figuring out different ways and different tactics that you can still engage students from their homes. I mean, yeah. if you could just talk about what your outlook is on the education system moving forward. Well, I think that um, I'm a why guy, meaning it's got to come down to your why. And I don't, you know, when parents are talking to their students, it's, it's, it's learning for the sake of learning and you got to remember the why you're learning and the amount of opportunity and access that learning gives you. Um, if you're doing school for the sake of doing school, good luck, I, I wish you the best. But if you're doing schooling because you wanna learn and you're hungry and you're thirsty for what knowledge and learning can do for you, um, you're, gonna, you're gonna succeed because you're gonna, you're gonna figure out the way. It goes back to the reality is for the 21st century, if you wanna be successful, you're gonna mm -hmm. learn, to, you must, learn to be a creative innovator. You must learn to be communicative. You must learn to be collaborative, right? You, yeah. have, you have to learn in critical thinking. You have to learn these skills. Yeah. Um, and schooling is no exception to that. Um, that's what it comes down to those, those four skills. It really, really, really does. Um, and so in, the outlook of education is if people and institutions can adapt to that fundamental value of learning and those and those essential skills. Yeah. You will you will continue and flourish. If you're going to get hung up on content and standards and you're going to get hung up on a live engagement experience, your experience you're you're going to run into to, to existential problems and you're mm -hmm. going to run into some some things that may seem insurmountable. But if you rest on your why and you know the how of what you do will change, then you will really be ready for what the world will present to us in the 21st century. Because here's, you know, here's the other thing. We are not raising sixth graders to do the jobs that exist today. 
Mm-hmm. We're not. We won't even know. When I was in New York City, I was saying, when I was in New York City, I did not even have a cell phone at first, <laughs> right? I could not Google or Uber Eats or say, what is the closest Mexican restaurant to me? Yeah. I could not do that. I did not have Uber. Yeah. Have, right? I mean, I, the internet came out in 90. I was in New York in 99. Like, let's be real. I was a poor white farm kid. I didn't have any yeah. internet to my, to, my, to my tool belt. Like, yeah. the world has completely changed. And if you don't evolve with it and you don't remain grounded in your why, yeah. then you're going to get lost in the how and what. And you're going to be, there's a book called Who Moved My Cheese? Hmm. And it talks about two mice named Hum and Hall. And how if you haul about the problem and you don't find a new solution, you're going to end up falling apart. Mm. So you always have to be innovative. You always have to be creative, creative and critical thinking. You gotta like use the power of the networks and the people around us, right? To, yeah. to do what it is we need to do as a society and as a family. Um, so yes, that's my outlook on education is <laughs> as long as you're rooted in the why, the how what will change. I think that's one of the things I've always appreciated about you as an educator and as a teacher and as a mentor is that I always felt like you were always open to adapting and to, to challenging dated ideas or dated systems or, you know, dated just, I guess, rituals in terms of just like how we do things. Yeah. I think that obviously there is turbulence in the beginning in terms of transition and getting adjusted to it. But once, you know, those systems are kind of adjusted and in place, I mean, everything is just kind of smooth sailing from there. And so I've always, 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 always loved that about you, um, you kind of being open. And, you know, Mr. Varson, you've kind of, you know, we've obviously just done surface level today and we're going to obviously, we're going to do a follow-up, you know, later on sometime next year, but you've kind of given us a little bit into, you know, adapting into virtual learning, um, socially distancing, obviously at SCPA, a little bit of your education background um, and, and um, your why, it's a big thing, your why, and, and even just the important, you know, attributes in terms of collaboration and creativity and communication. You're talking about that 21st century, just those skills that are going to be so important moving forward. Um, all the spaces and the adversities, like these, these little nuggets of stories that you've told us that have actually led to like so much positivity and for you kind of pushing that onto the world. Um, I just wanted to ask you and not that this question would change anything, but if you could say anything to your 13 year old self, what would you say? Oh. I would say I'd probably like to hand myself that little wooden statue. Mm. And with it, a message of find out who you are inside and embrace it. Love it. Protect it nurture it, um, experience the world and be true to who you are because at the end of the day, the joy, not happiness, happiness is fleeting. The joy you will find from operating with who you are inside, regardless of what journey you choose to take, will transcend anything that life can give you on this planet. Um, the people that you meet when you are who you are because you know who you are and you love who you are, the people you attract, the people that come into your life, 
are the right people because you're operating from a place of security and sense of self. Mm. And if I could have my little 13-year-old self in front of me and say, Timmy, find out who you are and love it and nurture it and protect it because there will be a lot of people who will try to take it and change it and hurt it. But don't be afraid of who you are and don't be afraid of what you love or who you love, right? <laughs> and because in the end of the day, the joy you find will be an inspiration for others, an inspiration for positive change and an inspiration for um, wonderful things to happen in the world around you. I don't think I've ever had a podcast with um, so many moments of just having goosebumps. And uh, I expected nothing less from you, Mr. Parson. And I think just you kind of just sharing so many things that I wasn't expecting to hear. I just, you know, one wanted to just say thank you for sharing just a little bit of your story and a little bit of who you are, um, not just with me, but, you know, essentially, you know, with the world and whoever tunes in on this. And um, for those of you that are tuning in, you know, like I've mentioned several times, it's so important to have mentors and people that you can constantly look up to and ask questions and pick their brain about. And Mr. Farson, you are definitely one of those people. It was a main reason why I would come back to SCPA and make that trip all the way down Thank to Paradise you. Hills. <laughs> and um, it's, like I said, it's, this is only the beginning. Um, I hope to do a follow-up with you soon and we'll, we'll get into that later, but I just want to say thank you for sharing a little bit of your narrative today. And there's so many nuggets, you guys, if whoever's tuning in that you can take, you know, these things, how Mr. Farson has navigated through his life and kind of ultimately led to shining light on everyone around him. And so I just want to say thank you so much for giving us your time today. I have so much love for you and uh, I'm looking forward to the next time, Mr. Farson. Thank you, Kevin. Um, I, I have to say that it's, it's, um, it comes full circle when you're in these moments with, with the memories of you first even stepping into 302 right? <laughs> oh, and trusting me to be your teacher and yeah. watching how we learn from, you know, there's this, this is thing about American education where they think the teacher is the one teaching. Mm -hmm. um, but the reality is so much of what you brought to the table, so much of what your, your classmates brought to the table are what has created my story and my narrative and my journey and my belief about joy and happiness. And so mm. thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you so much. Love for you, Mr. Farson. Right, stay safe you. and healthy and uh, yeah. we'll stay in touch. I'll talk to you soon.